Father, we are breathing this breath that You gave us to breathe to worship You. We pray, Father, that You would You would fall afresh on us and that Your Holy Spirit would blow through the caverns of our souls and bring life and peace and release and freedom. In Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, every am I right in the line of fire here? Probably. Every six months or so, Paul and I go on retreat, and last month was our time to do that, the beginning of January, and we um, we evaluate and assess kind of the past, and we pray and listen and look to the future and try to listen for where God is leading us, and we emailed you that day we were gone, and several of you responded and prayed for us. And um, one of the things that struck us while we were on retreat was that we really have connected to and initiated a lot of relationships with folks um, who have not yet entered into the kingdom. And so this this theme or this idea for us kind of started uh, popping up that we had heard elsewhere called um, praying people into the kingdom. And we kind of mold on that, this idea of praying people into the kingdom and really like landed on that as a ministry focus and priority for this spring. If there's something that we really want to press into. So we talked about it, you know, as we talked about it, like praying people into the kingdom. Yeah. And I I remember saying, yeah, let's do that. I'm not sure I believe it, but let's do that. Um, how about that for spiritual leadership, right? <laughs> really wanting some bold, solid, visionary teaching tonight. And uh, here I come. Um, part of the reason I'm not sure I believe that phrase or have trouble with it, praying people into the kingdom, I guess is because of how it might be misconstrued. Uh, you know, I can't help but to think what I don't want it to mean. Um, First, because I don't want such an idea, praying people into the kingdom to minimize our friends, our people of peace, their role, the part that they play in entering into the kingdom themselves. Uh, Praying people into the kingdom can't mean that God somehow overwhelms a person's freedom to choose God. Um, it, it, it can't mean um, that, that God coerces somebody, that we're praying, please God, zap that person so they become a Christian and they are just magically bent toward you and choose you, you know, like a robot or something. Um, you know, I find that hard uh, because not only is it not genuine relationship, it's also not reflected in the story of God in Scripture. You know, in Scripture, we see time and again, God giving freedom to choose and time and again, people choosing not to choose God, to go their own way, to do their own thing, to make their own path, to worship idols. And God allows that. Right. 
You know, if, if God was in the coercion business, wouldn't he have coerced us all by now to be in his kingdom? So I don't want it to mean that. I don't want it to mean to somehow minimize the role of folks who are entering into the kingdom. They, they have a part to play. Um, I also am kind of uncomfortable with this phrase, praying people into the kingdom, because it be, could be misconstrued to minimize our role in helping people enter the kingdom. As if praying people into the kingdom could be the thing that we do. Um, it's really hard to talk to people about Jesus. We're just going to pray. That's really all we can do. And God will do the rest kind of thing. Right. Again, very difficult to square in light of Scripture when you have texts like Acts 4, where the people of God start praying. And the result is not this passive power of God that happens that that brings people into the kingdom. What results is the Holy Spirit falling and people being filled with boldness to share the message of the kingdom. So prayer didn't translate into passivity. It translated into active boldness in evangelizing in sharing the good news of the kingdom. And if anything, uh, when we began to pray for others to enter into the kingdom, it tunes us in into God's kingdom, into his message, so that it's kind of in the forefront of our minds that praying people into the kingdom is as much about receiving strength from God to have that on our radar so that we can be messengers, so that we can be farmers who sow the seed broadly and have that good soil respond, that receptive soil respond and bear fruit. Uh, We also can't assume that praying people into the kingdom means we don't need to be prayed more deeply into the kingdom ourselves. As if, okay, we'll pray for these poor lost people who are out here and bless them. They just don't know the Lord. And we're in the kingdom and we want them to be in the kingdom too. When the truth is, we need to enter into the kingdom more fully ourselves. So praying people into the kingdom is not just about praying for our searching friends. It's about praying ourselves more deeply into the kingdom. And that's that's largely the rationale, the reason we have this prayer initiative where we have prayer class and we're doing this monthly prayer night so that we can live more deeply into these rhythms of praying each other more deeply and fully into the experience of God, God's kingdom in our own lives. So now I have thoroughly deconstructed this idea of praying people into the kingdom. You're probably wondering, I didn't think that's you know, how a ministry focus or priority is supposed to work. You know, where you come and you present some idea, aren't you kind of supposed to believe in it? Um, rather than like ripping it apart and telling us why you don't like it. Uh, but I figured like I had to like start out that way because I, I want you to know, too, what I don't want it to mean, because um, we could fill it with anything we wanted it to mean. Um, I, I want it to reflect the story of God. Um, the reason that my heart is drawn to this idea of praying people into the kingdom of God is because it highlights, it maximizes, it amplifies God's role in helping people. Enter into the kingdom, praying people into the kingdom assumes that someone is at work 
to pursue and woo and love folks out ahead of us, to the sides of us, behind us, before we ever get there. There's someone greater than ourselves that has to be a part of this equation. When you look at Scripture, it is unmistakable that God plays a massively important part in helping people enter into the kingdom. All of my hesitations notwithstanding about coercion and stuff like that. I want us to read a few texts from Scripture, four to be exact, and we're going to put them up here on the screen. Yay. Uh, As we read, I would like for us to consider this question. What is God's role in helping people enter into the kingdom? So when you get there, turning either in your paper Bible or your phone Bible, I need some help. So if you get there and you want to read, we're going to start with John 16. Verses 7 through 11. Be listening for what these texts say about God's role in helping people enter into the kingdom. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the way to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to Father, and you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 7. So, what do you suppose Paulus actually is? What do you think Paul is? I tell you, servants who believe in the faith, each one is the Lord of faith. I plan to be Paul's water, but he's got to be the road. It follows that the person who plants is in anything special, and the person who waters is in anything special. What matters is God who is the good. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses four through six. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5. You are dead for the transgressions and sins in which you once lived, following the course of this world, following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of the flesh and senses, and we were by nature children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead, through our transpasses, made us alive through, together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. What do these texts say about God's role in helping people enter into his kingdom, his rule, his gracious reign? 
What do you notice? What grabs your attention? Absolutely. Yeah, theologians, their word for this in John 16 is prevenience. So it's the idea that that very idea of um, prevenient grace is grace before. It's the grace that God does as a work in our hearts before we give our lives to him. It's a, maybe it's a softening kind of effect. I, I don't know. It's mysterious to me. But it's the, it's the working ahead. It's the, it's the grace that comes before that the Holy Spirit does when he convicts us, when he, when he works on our hearts and opens our eyes to our brokenness and need for him. What else? Yeah, we definitely have a part to play. But just like a farmer, and that's a powerful metaphor. Um, a farmer is not in control of the, of the rain. And the farmer is also not in control of what comes up out of the ground. When assuming the rain comes to nourish the ground and the sun is out, um, the farmer has his role to put the seed in the ground. Um, and here, the whatever that X factor of growth that brings that thing up up at the ground, that is that's the work of God for Paul. That's the thing that we can't do um, on our own. That's part of God's role. Absolutely. Great insight. It reminds me of um, the the season of highest conversion or entrance into the kingdom in storyline um, was right on the front end of us starting. And I had almost nothing to do with it. <laughs> it was this great humbling moment. Like we met we met a couple of people like uh, Lowell and Sergio and they came. You could just tell they were primed for Jesus. They were hungry. Um, and you could see that like we, we obviously did not cultivate 
that soil. God just put them in front of us and asked us to do our small part. That's a, that's a great insight. Thank you for reminding me. What's that? Yeah, sure. Right. It's not always predictable. That's right. Other thoughts? God, the grand architect, has a way of seeing how all of that comes together and how people contribute um, to people's journeys. John? Yeah, the whole architect and contributing. Uh, I heard that um, uh, the grand organization does follow up on the people that come to crusades. And typically in America, a person's a presentation at least 10, 12, 14 times before they make a decision. Contrasted with many places in the mission field, it's get two or three. Yeah, right on. We uh, we've talked about the first couple of texts. Those second two texts, Second Corinthians four and Ephesians two. What do you see there? The, uh, the metaphors of blindness and death are really strong in these passages to say that, you know, the God of this age blinds unbelievers. Um, you don't make yourself unblind, right? It's the, it's the light of Christ that opens our eyes to, to, to see. Uh, we get our sight back. Just like when we're dead in our transgressions, um, you don't make yourself undead, right? When you're dead, that's kind of final. Like someone outside of yourself has to bring you back. Now, this, this is where it starts to get really paradoxical and mysterious. I, I just want to hold together this idea of God's non-coercive love 
and these metaphors of death and blindness. Somehow God is at work and it takes the power of God to bring us more deeply into the kingdom. And simultaneously, he does that in such a way that preserves relationship. It preserves our ability to choose him and to love him because we want to, not because he's making us. Yeah, that is. That's another great metaphor. Uh, I want to observe in the midst of all of this how remarkable it is. And just let us bask in the good news of the gospel that God goes to the lengths that he does to come and get us. Uh, When we are children of wrath, when we're dead in trespasses, when we are blinded and duped by the God of the sage, God comes and gets us. And that's for us, and that's for our friends too. And that is good news. That is gospel. Dave Clayton is uh, one of our church planning colleagues in Nashville. About six years ago, he started a church called Ethos, and they have seen some amazing breakthrough connecting to folks who uh, entered into the kingdom through their work and their church planning ministry. Recently, I saw a video interview where Dave was asked um, what contributed to this culture of invitation and sharing Jesus with uh, with people so freely. And he didn't take very long at all. He says, I know it sounds trite, but it's prayer, Um, prayer. Maybe it doesn't seem like that makes sense, but but prayer is the the real work of evangelism. And it's the way that we have seen the breakthrough that we've seen. Um, he, he kind of reminisced to a time where they started as a church a couple years in asking themselves, do we this idea, do we really believe that we could pray people into the kingdom of God? And if we were honest with ourselves, we say, no, we don't. Really, well, we're not sure about that. We don't really believe that. But as they started praying, Um, They would, and I don't know what the symbolism of this is, but at the front of their worship gatherings, they put these big trash cans and people would come and put names in the trash cans with people that they um, knew or were praying for. And, you know, Dave says, I don't know exactly how it happens um, or how it happened. um, But like if if you look back, the names, the number of people whose names were on those cards It's amazing the number of people who entered into the kingdom that very year that they were praying in earnest for them. Uh, 
he uh, he says that uh, prayer. This kind of this may get you a little bit, but we're we're uh, we're uh, what nouveau progressive community. This is kind of a racy metaphor, but I think it's right. He says prayer is to evangelism what sex is to childbirth. He says you can have the nursery set up, you can have your crib, you can have stuff on the wall, but if there is no conception, there's not going to be any new life in that nursery. Likewise, you can have the right techniques, you can know what to say, you can have good theology, you can have all the spiritual conversations in the world. But if if something from heaven doesn't come down and ignite people's hearts with new birth, it's not going to happen. It's the work of God to do that. Prayer is the real work of evangelism. Do we really believe that we can pray people into the kingdom? You know, I said how I had a lot of discomfort um, about this phrase. And if I'm honest, it's probably because I struggle. I'm being challenged in my faith to believe that that's even possible. And, and to think more accurately of myself and more accurately of God's uh, capacity and competency and ability to woo people and and to pursue them and to draw them to himself. Uh, Alex Absalom started a missional community in Oklahoma City. And some of you have seen a video where he tells this story, but they, they started this missional community in their neighborhood. And they decided that they wanted to be naturally supernatural, which by that they meant they wanted to, to talk like they would with their Christian friends with their non-Christian friends as well. So they, they wanted to be the spiritual kind of people in this non-religious, churchy, creepy kind of way. He says it's the difference between being religious weird and being Jesus weird. You know, it's it, it's cool to be Jesus weird in the sense that you would talk the same way with your non-Christian friends that you would your Christian friends. And so part of that for them was being open and attentive to opportunities to pray for people of peace they met in their neighborhood. One of their neighbors was a guy named John. He was a real cynical, skeptical guy. And he um, had been out of a job for a long time. Uh, he was in the pharmaceutical sales industry. And you can imagine that for a guy like that, his anxiety is starting to rise. How am I going to provide for my family? And all along the way, Alex and his wife are telling him, uh, we're praying for you. He's not religious, but they're telling him we're praying for you. And we, we want to pray that God will, we're praying that God would give you a job, that it would pay more and that it would take care of your family. It would do what you need it to do. We're, we're praying um, for you. And then I, I suppose they actually prayed for him about that. And, you know, beyond just telling him that they would. So they're walking in the neighborhood and one day and John comes running down his driveway toward them saying, I got the job. I got the job. And they're like, congratulations. And right as they're congratulating, he points at Alex right in the face and he says, and I know it's because you prayed for me. It's those kind of moments 
where people are literally prayed into the kingdom. Now, maybe he doesn't cross the threshold of faith in that moment, but his eyes are open to the fact that God is in charge. God is favorably disposed toward him. God wants to do good things for him. That's that's the kind of stuff of praying people into the kingdom. Um, I want here's homework for this week since I'm running out of time. Um, How can you begin to pray someone into the kingdom this week? What would it look like for you to pray, to start praying, to continue praying someone into the kingdom this week? Now, a couple of things that we're going to try to do um, this spring to facilitate this spirit and initiative of praying people into the kingdom. Uh, Ryan and Sarah Walker in each of our worship gatherings this spring. Um, at, at, during our sending time are going to facilitate a time of prayer where we can pray and do our version of the trash can thing for our people of peace, for people that are searching for God, um, who we want to ask the Lord to help them enter the kingdom. Um, and we're going to do that in just a minute. And then also in your missional communities, I want to challenge you um, to do like a prayer poster. Um, or a whiteboard or something where you put put down the names and even beyond the what are general names that we can pray for. Think about what are specific requests? What are life needs that would be opportunities for God to break in and get the attention of someone who's searching and someone who's open um, to good news? So we're going to we're going to sing a song and I'll go get the kids and we will uh, we'll do more prayer. Uh, but let me pray for us right now as we think about praying people into the kingdom this spring. Charlie, yep. Yep. What does that look like for us? And so it's, it's not only that, I think we've got to have the faith in the belief that God is going to come through somehow, some way. So it also has to do with those two, I think. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm, I'm in that boat with everybody else, as you can hear in my conversation today. Yes, I will definitely pray. Let's pray for that. Uh, Father, Lord Jesus, we know that that you are um, the lead evangelist. We know that you are the head of this church. We know that you're the chief shepherd. Uh, we know that you are the primary missionary. And God, we just ask, would you make us the kind of church that you can send your lost sheep to? Would you uh, would you. Uh, strengthen our faith. Would you help us in our unbelief to believe that you are mighty and powerful and at work in this world? And we pray that would you would you move in us as we pray for others? Would you would you help us to enter more fully into your rule as well? Would you transform us from the inside out? 
for your glory, God, for the renewal and restoration of all things. In Jesus we pray. Amen.